to the Rockman Show. It's time for Rockman to give his opinions, his views, and his thoughts on life and rock. So grab a beer, buckle in, and get ready to rock. say hey that's a great idea and then you do it and you're like ah oh, fuck why why did i do that you know what was the motivation was it uh i don't know just at the moment it sounded great and then you did it and you wake up and you're like oh my god what did i do last night <laughs> did i walk home like that did i did i drink too much beer what did i do will i regret it eh, maybe for about 12 hours How long does it take you to get over something that you've done bad and you feel bad about? You generally do. Uh, I guess if you're not really hurting anyone else but yourself, does it matter? Do you apologize to yourself and say, hey, yo, I'm sorry? (coughs) Yes, I I do a lot. Oh, I know you do, sir. You, (laughs) the shit you get into, uh, I can see you making, it's a constant apology with you, I'm sure. You gotta figure it out right there. <laughs> yeah, I got. I know you, sir. I know you. So, I don't know. I haven't been bad, but there, I've been making some probably not the best choices lately. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, I do feel bad to an extent. And then I'm like, who's it hurting? 
I guess it's hurting my insides because I'm drinking too much beer. Oh! But I don't know. Uh, it's just weird. Um, hey, I want to say I just opened the show with Queen Trike. Uh, I went to a show. So at the end of the show, you're going to hear the opening band on this tour, Trauma, which I promised a couple episodes ago, but uh, my calendar was fucked up, so I picked the wrong week. But, so it was Trauma, Marty Friedman, fucking amazing guy. We've talked about Marty before. We've had him on the show, the Genghis Ragman show. Uh, just a phenomenal guitar player. Uh, just rips it up like nobody's business. Was in Cacophony and uh, then played Megadeth for a while, then went back solo. So he's been in Japan, hasn't really done a U.S. track in a while, uh, so it was so awesome that he was on the bill. And then the headliners, Queen Strike. Uh, and uh, actually saw both bands. And then at the end of the show, Michael Wilton comes out, or at the end of Marty Friedman, pardon me, uh, Michael Wilton comes out and says, hey, Todd can't sing tonight. And everybody's like, what the fuck? So... It, it was kind of a weird dynamic. I don't know if I've ever been in a show where I guess the band, the headliner was going to play and then right at, I guess, the time that they're going to go on stage, they come out and say, hey, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. And you almost wonder, who's the most important person in the band? Who can you not replace on stage? I mean, I've seen bands where they're like, uh, I want to say, uh, yeah, so Night Ranger uh, a few years ago, and Brett Gillis was out. I think his torn rotator cuff or something like that. And Kerry uh, Kel- Kelly handled both sections of leads and everything. The guy was a fucking monster out there. Really, really impressed. You miss Brad, but the show still went on. Uh, so a guitar player, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, it depends if you have two or not. So I guess if the lead guy's down and then the rhythm guy's there, I don't know. Do you cancel the show? Interesting. Uh, drummer, bass player, if they could find someone on short notice, I could see the show going on. But the vocalist, that would be tough unless uh, you've got a guy in the band that can sing and knows all the songs and has a decent voice. And how many guys out there are like that? I know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but you know, when Journey was in one of their incarnations with Dean Castronovo. Dean's got a great voice, can sing like Perry, kind of. So, say he's on tour with Arnell Pineda, and Pineda goes down, you could probably keep the show going with Dean back there, because Dean's got a great voice. And he sings for uh, Revolution Saints with uh, Doug Aldridge uh, and Killer, Killer Little Thing, Jack Blades as well. But... You know, who's the most important guy in the band? You always debate that, right? Because certain bands got, you know, the bass guy. You got the Billy Sheehan. You got uh, the Getty Lee. Can't be replaced. You got the guitar player. Guitar, I mean, the guitars are really hard to be a guy that's like, oh, if he's not there, I don't think I'm interested. You know, same thing with, like, the singer or something like that. But there's certain, I guess, calibers of talent in some of these bands that they would be sorely missed. Like if Billy Sheehan had left Talos and Talos would have gone on, I think the give a shit factor would have been, ah, I don't give a shit anymore because Billy was the talent. I mean, the rest of the guys in the band were talent. Don't get me wrong. But he was a name. He was a guy that uh, everybody wanted to go see him play. As well as the other guys. I, again, no disrespect. I just 
picking bands out here. But uh, I get it. I get it, man. It was a bummer. Uh, my friend Lee has been bragging about this new Queensryche lineup. And unfortunately, I didn't get to see it. I have seen them before. And I'll be honest, I haven't been super impressed. But with this new record that harkens back to, I would say, maybe uh, Warning, Rageful Order, some of the songs. The song I just played, Behind the Walls, kind of had that feeling, man. I'm like, shit, dude. I think they're, you know, with Latori, maybe they're finally finding their groove. I mean, the records they've done with them have been good, but I think this one's the one that they hit the mark on. And they have the chemistry now. So, with Latori backing out, it was a bummer that we didn't get to see them, but still a great show. Trauma killed. Uh, uh, I got a, Like I said, I've got a great interview with the guys from Trauma, Brian, uh, Steve, and Chris. Uh, great dudes gave me a lot of time and uh, that's at the end of the show uh, we hadn't done a live person interview in a while so before we go into our beer why don't we play some Marty Friedman that's been a while how about something off Dragon's Kiss let's do it Right, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty over here. We don't have a long show. You don't have a lot of me tonight because you got a long interview with this band, Trauma. And you're going to hear a lot of their tunes, and they're, they're really kick-ass. Go see them live. Support them. Buy this record, Awakening. It's so solid. But Mr. G, I'm thirsty, sir. Sam's not here. <laughs> when you went on his arm last week, oh my god. What? I just said, oh my god. Ooh. Okay, you're fucking weird. 
All right, this one's a good one today uh, from one of my favorite breweries in town called Spindle Tap. They uh, really do well, ha really do hazies well. Uh, this one's called Stereochemistry, and uh, it's pretty cool. The can's kind of cool. It's got like an old school, like jam box type thing. And uh, it's a uh, green, it's, I guess, yeah, it is a label. And it's just kind of a light green, kind of cool thing. Kind of have a retro feel to it. And uh, I love the uh, little slogan here. It says, music for your mouth. Citra, mosaic, uh, it's, uh, wow, 8% ABV. Yeah, these guys usually put up the ABV pretty hardcore. So, uh, cool can. Uh, let me pour a little bit in here. Very hazy, very golden, almost like a... Uh, really cool pineapple juice. There's some lacing on top. A little bit of head there. Well, let me see how it's. Uh, it's not really sticking to the glass though. But the appearance, I got to give it a four. It just looks amazing. And aroma. I mean, shit. As soon as I opened the can, I was like, fuck. There's a lot of orange right there, dude. It's a uh, kind of hitch in the hitch in the face there with the citra hops, man. So very solid. So right now, I mean, everything is steering towards a four. Uh, Label's cool, the appearance of the beer is good, and then the aroma is awesome as well. So let me clink myself. Mm. Oh, that's good. Uh, very rich, creamy, lots of citrus notes. So solid, man. And uh, I, I like this brewery. They, uh, they, like I said, they do the double IPAs so well. A little bit potent, but hey. Who's count right there? Like I said, back in the beginning of the show, some poor dive decisions lately. Not horrible. Not hurting nobody. But uh, one more drink and I'll rate this bad boy. Oh, okay. John hit the horns. We'll do it. All right, so uh, I'm going to keep this show a bit more old school metal uh, due to the acts I have on tonight. So I'm not going to play as much. I probably won't play any new stuff tonight. Or newer bands. So I'm going to keep it older school stuff. So uh, the vocalist in Trauma used to be in this band. And a big fan. Actually uh, had the guitarist on the show uh, years ago. Uh, let's do some vicious rumors. How about Don't Wait? Let's do it. <laughs> Don't 
So last thought before I kick into this interview is uh, something that interesting happened uh, last week. So I'd had a day and again, the poor life decisions or poor life choices where maybe you drink too much one night. And I did that after our show last week with my buddy Paul and got up and I was sluggish. I was like, fuck, I don't feel good. Why? Why do I do this to myself? I try to drink a bunch of water for bed just to make sure that the sting is not as bad the next day. And uh, that doesn't always help. That doesn't always work. Uh, so you try to eat. You, you do your thing. I've got a routine. I don't know what your routine is. I'd be curious. Hopefully it's better than mine. You can give me some tips. So I get up. And I'm like, eh, all right. Maybe I'll just go knock the edge off. Let's go to a brewery. Or not let's. It's me. Let's go to a brewery. Have a beer, knock the edge off. So I had one. And I was like, well, that didn't knock the edge off. So I'm going to go somewhere else and have another one. There's two. Then I was annoyed at this place. I'll story for another time. I was convinced by my buddy. He's like, well, you got to go to this other one because they got a new release. I'm like, okay, well, I can go home and walk and be fine. And then since I was at the one, I had to go see my friend Britt at Eureka. So... There we are, 4N. And then my friend texts me and he says, Hey, we talked about this at Run Club. Are you and the guys going to this place called the Black Magic Social Club? Just the name itself intrigued me. It really did, man. I was like, fuck, I kind of want to go, but I'm four beers in. Do I really need more? So I ran home, ate something, drank some water, got an Uber got an uber being responsible and i get into the uber and it smells like fart yeah, fart so this is the first time i've ever ridden an uber where it just smelled foul i mean i've been in some kind of shitty cars and stuff like that the seats are ripped up whatever but this one it was a tesla it was a nice tesla but it smelled like fucking fart and I'm sitting there trying to fucking hold my breath and breathe, don't breathe in my nose. I'm like, what gives the Uber driver, what gives him the power to be able to fart while he's driving his Uber? I guess it's his car, it's his Uber, so I guess he can fart, technically. What's he, what happens to him, though? Does he just get a bad rating? Should I have gotten on Uber and said, hey, great driver, but your car smells like fart? I don't know. I don't know the etiquette. I don't. So, eh, went to that club. Pretty cool. It was Desert Dornell. We stayed for a beer or two. And we got the fuck out of there. So I went home. I was like, hey, I had a rough night the night before. I'm done. No more. I need some rest. Ragman needs rest. So, anyway, guys, I wanted to thank you for listening. Thanks for all the uh, kind words. Always. And I really hope you dig this interview, man. This band's really cool. Uh, called Trauma. So, here you go. Here's some trauma. See you next week. And here's your one hose.
hell in the heat. We beat on each other, we slay, cheat, and smother. the Ragman Show, and we have a live interview, our first one since a long time ago. Uh, and I got a really cool band here. They're called Trauma, out of California. Uh, Cliff Burton was in this band at one point. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, guys, thanks for uh, joining me. I've got Brian, I've got Chris, and I got Steve. Welcome. Thanks for Welcome. having us. Thanks. So I just want to congratulate you guys on Awakening. It's such a cool fucking record. And I'm going to be totally honest. I really didn't know much about you guys. And I got this record and I heard it. I'm like, okay, it's cool. And then I listened to it again. I was like, oh, fuck, that's better. Oh, that's better. I'm fucking loving this record, man. (laughs) So uh, congratulations on a very, very good record. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome, man. Glad you dig it. What? How is the songwriting process? How's that work within Trauma? Well, it was uh, you know I, I'm this is Steve. I do most of the songwriting, um, and it was it was difficult during COVID. We started writing this just before COVID hit, and then when COVID hit, of course, you know we weren't going to each other's we weren't going to the studios. We weren't going to each other's houses. We were kind of isolated to our own studios. So you know we did the whole thing with you know creating things in our own studios, and then you know transferring them digitally. I'd send you know Chris the tracks. Here's what I think with the drums and. And with at that point it was you know Donnie Hillier you know singing we'd send him and uh, we just had to do it that way without getting the other you know I think it's one of the things I've told people it's interesting with this record you know we re- we wrote it we recorded it we did uh, three videos and we never really got together as a band wow and we we couldn't because it was that time it was very difficult yeah, it was very hard it was yeah no it was just- I, it, it, everything was discombobulated just because of Rona. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be different next time. But you know, and and then I just, like I said, I came in when most of the record was was uh, you know being worked on, and Chris could fill you in on more on you know how that all went about with Donnie. But, yeah, part way through the process, we lost our original lead singer, yeah. you know, Donnie Hillier, which was a, uh, that was a tough blow. And he yeah. was the original vocalist, too, right? right? From back in the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that had to be tough. Um, oh, it was very tough. You know, I, I knew Donnie for many, many years. I met him in about 1981, 1982. Um, I was at a, I was playing in a, in a band that was kind of like a motorhead kind of thing oh, nice. at that time. And he just happened to show up one night because we were looking for a singer, and he always liked kind of checking things out. So he just happened to show up. We started talking, and it was, uh, we're looking for a drummer. You know, would you be interested in checking it out? And I did. You know, so we, we went back a long time. That's badass. So the band's inception was 1981, and you guys lasted, what, about four years-ish, and then you all broke up? Yeah, well, <clears throat> we... Uh, Recorded Scratch and Scream in 1980, probably towards the end of 1983, mm-hmm. and then it got released in 84. And uh, after the record, the band did 
numerous gigs in the Bay Area, up and down the coast, um, and everybody kind of started doing different things. And uh, I moved to LA um, to do stuff down there, but it was kind of, there was just no tour support, is what kind of killed it, you know. And in those days, everybody was trying to, you know, get their legs, you know, and you know, there wasn't really many bands that were really like going on an actual tour at that time. Yeah, the labels just didn't have the money to support it. You know, and uh, that's kind of what happened. Well, I thought it was pretty interesting that you guys were signed to Shrapnel right. with Mike Barney. I was like, "Fuck, dude!" The, the guitar playing on that first record had to be just so badass that Barney's like, "I got to have this." Well, the funny thing is with that is the original guy we had. His name was Tiger, uh-huh. Tiger Lady. <laughs> I thought that was a chick. No, it wasn't a chick. <laughs> he was actually a really good guitar player, but for some reason, Varney just didn't like how he played. Really? Yeah, he didn't like how he played. So he said, you know, when we go to do this record, I want you guys to have, you know, have somebody else. So they had, in those days, at like the Stone and Keystone Berkeley and all that, they had these like uh, guitar warrior kind of things going on, guitar contests. So we all went down. Uh, to this show, and that's how Ross Alexander came on board. Oh, nice! And at that time, he was only seventeen. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow! And he, you know, he was the guy that recorded it on the album. Well, well, it's interesting because you know the Big Four and the thrash movement was early on. Then it seemed like the hair metal thing took over, and then thrash kind of made a resurgence towards the latter part of the eighties, going to the early nineties before you're. Everything went to shit, grunge, and all that right. stuff. Did it? It looks like you guys may have broke up right at that point where you maybe you could have hit. Where I guess labels were signing more thrash fans, or was there ever talk that hey, this shit's kind of coming back at '87? Testament's hitting, and there's bands like that, you know, emerging from the scene. Do we have a chance, or was it too far gone at that point? I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say it was too far gone. Uh-huh. Uh, just to give you a little insight. I had a connection to go meet a guy named Rich Ezra at the time when I first moved down to LA and he was the A&R guy for Arista, which was Clive Davis's label. Oh yeah, yeah. And somehow I got into his office, you know, uh, through some connections. I brought the Scratch and Scream record with me and he put it on his turntable and started playing it, you know, right there. And he's like, wow, this is really good, you know, this is really, really cool. And so I'm thinking, oh my God, maybe some, maybe this guy will do something, yeah. you know. But then he he said, this is great and everything. I have no fucking idea what I can do with this. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Because they didn't know, yeah. you know. They it, it it wasn't like it was that popular, you know. I mean, if you think about it, 1983, 1984, the album that was really taken off was freaking Metal Health. Yeah, yeah. Like Quiet Riot. Yeah. You know that was, I wouldn't say it was metal. It was kind of a heavier rock, you know. Right. I think that's when Rat and Motley Crue. You know, yeah, yeah Motley Crue. You know, yeah. I re- well, you remember that classic Us Festival in '83 where Quiet oh, yeah. Riot was there, and then the Crew was debuting. Oh yeah. I was like, holy shit! I mean, I love Quiet Riot. I saw them on the first tour. It was funny enough. It was Axe, if you remember them. They had a song called "Rock and Roll oh, Party yeah. in the Streets." And then it was uh, Queensryche mm-hmm. on the EP tour right before the warning came out, mm-hmm. and then Quiet Riot headlined, and the place was fucking packed. I paid $5 for the ticket, 
it was something to do with like the Red Cross or something like that. Right. But they exploded at. I mean, they were already exploding, but oh, then yeah. they imploded with Kevin's mouth and all that stuff. Well, yeah, I mean that album was huge. Yeah, you know that mental health thing. I mean, you know, those guys used to they used to hang out at the Rainbow and haul it, you know, in Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, and you know they'd show up in beater cars or and just hang out with people and stuff. And then all of a sudden, when that album took off, you see freaking, you know, I think his name is Carlos. Carlos Cabasos. Yeah. Driving a Ferrari. Yeah. You know, like, oh, your album must be doing pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, night and day. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. for them, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it did num- uh, a lot for metal. I mean, because if you think of, like, I guess the bands like Van Halen and stuff that were breaking out in the late 70s, you had that disco stuff. You had Kiss before that, but then there was that low. You had your foreigners and these more—I would say—faceless faceless bands right. that were just radio hits. But there were bands like Van Halen hitting that had the image as well as the music to back it up. Right. So they came in on the tail end of that. They hit. I still don't know how they hit, but I'm glad they did because it did a lot for the scene for a good ten year, ten to twelve years before it just got saturated. Oh yeah. Well, if you ever hear like interviews with Eddie Van Halen, he, he'll flat out say that's what they competed against. Yeah, you know the disco age. It's like, how in the hell are we going to get anywhere with this? What we're doing, but they did. Yeah, and thank God they did yeah. <laughs> for us. Well, uh, fast forward thirty years later, you guys decide to get back together. What was the motivating factor for you guys to get back together? Well, 2013, well, me and Donnie, I'll, I'll go there first. Me and Donnie, over the years, we talk about, you know, I always stayed in touch with him. And uh, we always entertain the idea, oh, wouldn't it be fun one day maybe to put trauma back together? It's like, you know, what for? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then Varney got interested in doing a re-release in 2013. And uh, he said, uh, you might want to think about having a band as well in case you guys get any offers to go play festivals over in Europe or anything which we did you know and that's kind of how it happened you know that's awesome that's awesome and then now here you are uh, 10 years later and right at that point that's where I got um, introduced to the band I was uh, I was in a band in the 80s called Heist with Kurt Fry so Kurt Fry recorded the uh, Rapture and Wrath uh, album oh, no. and I was kind of you know we're talking I was, yeah. there was uh, ideas of me being in the band but I was doing some other stuff I was opening a brewery we'll get to that ah, later yes. and um, and then they called me up and said that the bass player uh, did couldn't get a passport and could I learn these songs on bass get a passport and play these shows in Europe and that was my first uh, mm-hmm. introduction to trauma was as the bass player. Oh, that's pretty awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. And then I think it was like, hey, that was cool. Thanks a lot. And then I was like a year or so later, yeah. you wanted to put together a, a thing again with a two-guitar player band. Yeah, because trauma was always a two-guitar player band. Mm-hmm. It was it was fun doing it with Kurt because Kurt's a really good friend of me and Steve. And a great player. Yeah, an awesome player. But it, it just didn't have the, the, the balls it needed. You know yeah. the dual harmony, right? Yeah, right, I love right. that shit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, how many guys came back from the original lineup for the reunion tour or reunion uh, in 2013? We tried it once. Uh, we got everybody together, and it was pretty bad. Uh, um, a lot of the guys just weren't playing that often. You know, and it takes an ex- kind of a, a certain level of playing ability to play those songs. You know, 
and uh, there was only a couple people who could really pull it off, but it, it just wouldn't have worked. And they had other commitments and everything too, so they just weren't really too into it, you know, putting the time into it. Well, I know a lot of guys that left the scene. They got careers doing real estate oh, yeah. or whatever. And Vito Brada from White Lion, I, I think he's a great guitar player. He's an IT guy now. He's like, fuck it. I don't want to go back and do that. Right. I had my fun back in the day, but it doesn't interest me now. Right. Well, yeah, because the business has changed so much oh, yeah. over that time frame. <clears throat> you know, one of the biggest reasons why you did do it back in those days is to try to be in a band, develop a following... You know, and all that stuff, and then, you know, get the golden carrot handed to you, a record deal that has, you know, six digits attached to it. Yeah. That's kind of what you did it for. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I have a friend, I don't know if you guys know Tracy G. He played with Dio back in the 90s. So Tracy and I are friends. He does all our original music on my show. And Tracy walked away from Dio, basically, because... Tracy made Dio more Sabbathy and heavy and dark... And that's what Tracy wanted to do. He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm going to fuck this shit up. I wanted to go back to Black Sabbath. And Roddy's like, fuck yeah. And they did it. Didn't do well. Then they did Angry Machines. Didn't do well. But that was when the music scene was just dying in the 90s. Right. And so Wendy was like, this is a story Tracy told me. Wendy was probably in Roddy's ear. We need to get Craig back. Because Craig, when he was in the band, you know, it was more melodic and stuff like that. And so maybe Tracy could be the rhythm guy. And Tracy said... Ronnie, I, I, I'm a, I'm a lead guy. I don't play fucking rhythm, so thank you, but I'm gonna right. leave. So yeah. he's gone on and just plays, 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 does stuff, has gigs here and there, different bands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I respect the shit out of him. Of course, I'm sure he wants to make money like the next guy, but he does it just because he's a pure musician, loves the music like you guys, you know, that have just kept doing it. And now it's almost like you have a second chance with this new lineup great record stuff like that so thank you for keeping the fight i mean a lot of guys give up and say fuck it i don't i, mean, I have my day oh i can't boy, do it anymore i've thought about giving up <laughs> <laughs> we, well we got careers you know we got businesses and we got all this and and um and it's exactly what it is it's for the love of music it's for for me it's writing songs and playing in front of people you know um if anything ever happens and you actually make money bonus <laughs> exactly you know but exactly. Yeah. Uh, I do it for the love of music yeah yeah you know I mean you, that business model from the past I mean there, there's no remnants of it left you know mm-hmm. so you don't do yeah. it for that you don't do it for that reason really Our anymore has helped us for shit yeah I got you yeah well uh, before we and jump I in I don't care if they hear that oh <laughs> Fuck them! No, okay. uh, well, they just they they just can't invest, right? Because they can't recoup. You know, so all the all the labels now basically have like a a certain amount of money that they're that they're wanting to get back on mm-hmm. on a recording, and that's all they care about. They don't care about it making more, as long as it's not less. You know what I mean? Right. So if they make a you know five thousand dollars, which is peanuts. Compared to the old days, you know, that's what they're fine with doing. But the thing that's flabbergasted me is like, here, you know, when Chris and I were talking about possibly doing this tour, you know, and Todd's like, hey, dude, you, you, you guys want to come on board? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let me let me talk to everybody. And, and we were like, how are we going to do this? Blah, blah, blah. And 
and I'm thinking, I can't believe that Massacre, like, they wouldn't have, there's no one on their lineup, on their roster, that's doing a tour like this. They no printed, one. They printed, what did they print? 200? Yeah. They and sold them out, and sold them out in a few weeks. Why aren't you printing 2,000? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't we all want to make money? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like they have this number in their head. As long as they get to that number, then it's next. Oh wow! But no, you know what I mean? no one's on a on a sh- on a tour like this. No, no, it's no. Yeah, this is a pretty. Fi- I mean, Marty Friedman. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, man! And I've seen Queen has been actively touring and stuff like right. that. And so is Jeff. He's doing his thing. But Marty Friedman doesn't come to the U.S. that often. Right. Uh, I was pretty excited to see he was on the belt as well. Yeah, yeah. And it, his band's kicking ass. And it, it's they're really, really, man, really they're good. Man. Really, really good. Yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to see Cacophony back in the day with him uh, and Jason Becker on oh, yeah. the go-off uh, tour in a little club, and it wasn't really crowded, and it was, like, mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, a fell guitar player, so... My band, <laughs> uh, my band uh, rehearsed right next to him in San Rafael, and so, yeah. you know, we got to know those guys really, really early on. Oh, that's and awesome, Both man. those guys yeah. were just phenomenal guitar players. Yeah. Or with, you know, Jason and all that. It's very sad, but... But as far as uh, we, on my last show, uh, the guy that was on, my guest, we were talking about touring, and he's a huge Devin Townsend fan. And oh, I love Devin. <laughs> Devin, he's so fucking hilarious. He's, he's crazy. I love him. I but love him. basically, Devin was saying it doesn't really make sense for me to come to the U.S. anymore because I don't make any money. Mm-hmm. If I can break even, I'll do it. But Europe, all that, it's where it's at. I guess to try to make a buck. So I'm. Assuming you guys get your merch, you probably don't get a lot from record sales, but it's, you know, ticket sales, merch, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much the way you make your living on the road, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's really, no, there's really no other way. Because if you think about how everything's set up now with streaming and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You get a million streams and you get like three, four thousand dollars That's it, huh? A million streams? This is my tenth record that I've done in all the years. Oh, I, was, I don't have shit to show for it. No, because yeah. of people that rip stuff off. Oh, yeah. yeah. When when this new album, Awakening, came out, on release day, uh, probably within a five-hour time period, there must have been like two dozen down, free download sites. Shit. Like, uh, yeah, I, wow. I lost count of them. Oh, that's got to be frustrating. Because it started pissing me off till no end. You worked so hard, and oh, then... we worked our asses off to do this album. And it shows. It shows. We worked, not only did we work our asses off to do this album, but we had someone who died. Yeah. You know, during the whole thing. A lot of... A lot in of, fact, you were in the studio when yeah. when it was going on, huh? Yeah, I, I was at the recording studio, Juan Ortega's studio in, in Martinez. And I was just about to... I had my drums ready to go through the door. And I got a call by, from Donnie's ex-wife. It said, "I just want to let you know, Donnie is like really, really, really sick." And we, no one, I couldn't go see him. Oh wow! Because He's it was during COVID. Oh shit! You did know. he? Did he pass up? Yeah, she COVID? basically said he might not make it through the night. Oh and, man, I'm sorry. It's like for call the time. session off. You know, forget it. I don't want to record. Yeah. And then that happened, and then. You know, we were on like ice for several months until we got a. You know, one uh, told us about Brian. I thought we were done. I thought it was that's that's fine. You know, we we did we yeah. did some things. We went to Europe. We right. had a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was that that was it. Oh, 
Yeah. And I was okay it with came, that. It came really close. Yeah. Oh, they're wow. just pulling the plug. And, on and the then whole and thing. then they brought us they 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 you know management. He showed us a couple of guys. This one guy in New York, and yeah. it was kind of like, oh, you're kidding me, no. And then some other guy, some other guy down in L.A., I think he was, like, young, like Casey mm-hmm. Young, like 30 or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, he's a really good singer, but no. And then we got this from Wanortega. We got uh, Brian's information, and there's a video out there with him singing with um, Vicious Rumors. That's a oh. big, big, big festival. Nice. And this guy comes out. This guy, <laughs> yeah. this guy comes out just like. Yeah, good. Like he, the like best he, was like, like the way oh, he, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way, the way that he, the, the, swag, the, the swagger, swagger that he's got walking out and the, the and the stage. voice and oh, everything voice, yeah. looks yeah. like okay. Yeah. I think we might be able yeah. to do this. It's like this is the guy, and we're like, oh my god, you know, hit, how hit cool! The, yeah, hit the yeah, jackpot. Yeah, nah, yeah, for real. But then the the cool part about it is, is like he we, he he came down. And we went in the studio, and then he hit, he did like two, one or two tracks, mm-hmm. you know, the new music. And I did, and I'm back there. He's he's like this, and I'm back here, and I look at Chris, and I'm like, oh yeah, it was like <laughs> hearing the playback. You know what yeah. I mean? We're like, oh my god, this this is gonna be good. This is gonna yeah. be good. Yeah. You know? And when and, you know, you know, right? Yeah. It sounds like know, it was pretty instant. Know. And you know. It was a miracle. Yeah, that's how I look at it. That's what I tell people. It was a freaking miracle because we we were this close to calling it a day. Because, like Steve said, you know, we we had listened to like three or four guys, you know, and, and we know it, a lot of guys. Yeah, and we knew that none of them none of them fit. Yeah, and it was like this can go on for a while. Yeah, if we don't find someone, you know what I mean. Yeah. And then, you know, lo and behold, you know, we got lucky. Very lucky. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Dude. I wasn't doing shit then because it was Rona. So the band I was in after uh, Vicious Rumors was Dark Sky Choir out of uh, Jersey. And and John Moyer from Disturbed wrote our last record with uh, Fred Gorhow. And uh, when Rona happened, it just kind of just, just, just dissipated. It was a brand new band. And because of when you're launching like that and you got good momentum and then it just falls flat it's hard to recover so we just said screw it and, and so I was in a squat and I just got a phone call I was on my couch and it was Juan he goes hey Bato I'm like what's up dude he goes hey I see um, you remember Trauma and I go yeah Cliff's band he goes yeah they need a new singer and I go oh yeah because you know I was like I remember reading that Donnie passed away I was like Oh, they're gonna keep going. He goes, "Well, yeah, dude, just come out. Let's go talk here. Call Chris. Let's let's hook it up. Get over here and say let's record." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> you know, he's kind of know Juan. Juan's very yeah. like, "Come yeah. on, pinche way, let's go." You know, he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, he, he, so he because he, you know he's a test man, machine head. You know, vicious rumors. You yeah. know, he's in all all of our records, and he's just he's just a character. Yeah. It sounds like it. And yeah. he's just like, don't be a pussy. Come on, come on let's do it. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how far into Awakening were you all before Donnie passed? Was all the, Were all the tunes written? You were just in the midst of recording? Or were you still kind of in the writing phase? We were still in the writing phase. And I think we had two-thirds of it done. Um, and... But Donnie had a lot of and lyrics. Donnie had a lot of lyrics for, uh, for like two-thirds of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um... And 
when when we brought Brian in, and I had to write a few more songs, um, and it really changed my approach to the writing. You know, with with Donnie, yeah. just a wonderful, melodic, beautiful singer, and so I wrote the songs with a lot of melodies. You know, mm-hmm. and but my love is thrash metal. My love is just really, really heavy. Actually, my love is you know black metal. GDP. GDP, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the band Dublin Death Patrol with Chuck Billy and oh, Steve nice. Souza, nice. right? So I really love just heavy thrash music. Yeah. And so what him uh, when he got brought into the band and I got to, you know, start writing heavier music because he's he's got that he does have melody, but he's also got that, you know, Halford scream and he can growl like yeah. you know, like Chuck Billy. Yeah. And it made the writing uh, a lot more pleasurable because I love writing heavy. I was able to write heavier. And See, so I always wanted to go heavier and vicious rumors, but Jeff would always go. Mm-hmm. Really? He'd ring me in a lot, and so these guys just kind of said, "Do whatever you want." Like, <laughs> okay. I think the last song I wrote was Death Machine, and it was like I think one of the heaviest ones I wrote, we wrote, and it was specifically for his vocal. Well, that's awesome. That's and, awesome. Uh, the funny thing, there's a song, Me, which I think, was the video coming out today? I, I think it actually has now been released. Yeah, it was a couple hours away when I was yeah. oh, really? looking early. Oh, well, <laughs> that, that, that song, um, when we were recording it, because um, at first, you know, Joe was like a little apprehensive. I was like, I don't know, I just, maybe we need to do the lyrics different or sing it different. And I was like, I'm like no, no, I, I can hear what Donnie's doing because I was listening to Donnie's demo. And I'm like, oh, let me put my spin on it. I think we should just leave it alone. Yeah. And so we go in the studio, and of course I beef it up. And then I was sitting there. I don't know. If, I don't think you were there. I think Chris was there. And I go, Juan, I got this cool idea. I was like, Donnie's chorus on the demo. Can you, you know, like pipe it in or blend it in with what I'm doing? So it, so it be like Donnie and I singing together. Oh wow. And and he he. He made it work, and so the chorus—it's that's Donnie and I singing together. Yeah, Dude, that is fucking yeah. cool. That's yeah. very cool. Because I just—I could hear in my head. I was like, I was like, this would sound really fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. And then Don, uh, and then Juan did his little magic and yeah. and, and made his it work. Voice, his voice is on the album. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Spots. So that I just thought awesome. that was kind of a cool little tribute for him. Oh you know? yeah, definitely, man. How how better else could you do it? That's yeah, freaking yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'd, let's dive into the record. Starts off with one of my favorite songs, Walk Away. Song is so well written. It's got so much going on. The chorus is just 
it's going to be. I, I'm sure it kills live, and people are just well. A part of part of the reason it kills live now is because we got this kid Casey Trask that can play those parts that I wrote. Oh, really? You know, um, <laughs> Joe's a Joe's a great guitar player. Joe is more of a like a solo bluesy guitar player. Yeah. Whereas I'm more of a technical metal kind of, and so I wrote I wrote those 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 harmonies, mm-hmm. all those guitar harmonies, those back and forth harmonies, and it was you know, a little iffy. With this kid here, he learned this stuff in a couple of hours. Really? And wow. so when you hear it live tonight, it is just it's stellar. And yeah. I really, really love having him in the band, to, you know, because I wrote, especially Walk Away, I wrote it relatively complex, a lot of different moving parts, and so, yeah, we... Oh, we, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, that's, that's something I love about your band, is the time signatures kind of change a lot through a lot of the songs, where it's not just like, do, 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 do. Yeah. it slows down, and you're playing the flamenco guitar in yeah. the song. That's very yeah. cool. It's All different. Parts. I was like, when I first heard I was like, what the fuck's going on there? Yeah. And I saw the video. I was like, oh, that, I get it. It was almost more of a visual thing for that section for me than hearing it. Because I was like, I don't know if that fits. And I saw the video. I was like, fuck, yeah, it fits. That's really yeah, I, cool. I, I, I like that. I can't explain how the, the writing, in, in my head, um, the writing process just happens naturally. And I don't sit there. I don't think, oh, I think I'd like to do a heavy part here, a slow part here, and a flamenco part there, and then leads. It just happens in my head naturally. Oh, nice. I just, that's what I heard. And so that's what I recorded. It's all kind of like done in my head. And I can't, like, change it. It's, you know, if somebody says, well, the song's too long, it doesn't need that part in there. Well, like, no, because that's how I wrote it. Yeah. You know? When, when I used to play a long time ago, I would write something straightforward. And I was like, oh, wow, I wonder if that one part would work. And I'd change it up and kind of throw it in there. Yeah. I'm not anywhere to your level, by the way. But... I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying because I sit down, I just strum chords. I'm like, okay, this is where it's going to go. Can I add something else? Some, there's, you know, not just verse, chorus, verse, chorus. You got to have something to keep the listener interested. Which is what's great about y'all's music is there's a lot of things going on. It's not just like you said, one straight line. Yeah. There's a lot of different things. So hats off, that's off, freaking awesome. I, I think my favorite song right now is "Burn," though.
So, can you tell me... It's funny, because everybody has a different opinion about Burn. Really? We've had some haters on Burn. And um, we... we just, so, Joe wrote that song, and it had it had a set of lyrics that I think we were all not real comfortable with. Uh-huh. A little bit on the political side. Oh, yeah, yeah, you don't want to do And that. so, we kind of nixed that. One of the things that happened during this process is, you know, we weren't... You know, full on working with Brian in the studio, so we had songs that we needed lyrics for, um, and Burn was one of them. And so we recruited well, I recruited my wife to write lyrics <laughs> for this record. So she wrote she wrote lyrics for four songs, including Burn, which is we were we were literally we were laying in bed watching this fire, but he lives in Tahoe, watching this Caldor fire come and it was like going to destroy the city of Tahoe and all this stuff. It was a uh-huh. really bad forest fire. Oh, wow. And we're sitting there writing the song Burn. You know? <laughs> Dance around the pyre. Fueled by my desire. 451 degrees of state of ecstasy. Burn. Yeah, I love I love when you go Burn! Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like doing this in the car when I'm driving. <laughs> burn! Yeah, yeah. Freaking love it, man. Very, very so, cool song. Right very on, cool bro. song. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, thanks for the uh, the backstory of that one. So yeah. I've got another one I want to bring up. The Red River uh, is another killer track. Can you tell me a little bit about that song? Okay, so that's one that Donnie wrote the lyrics on. Oh, and so we had. Um, so I wrote that one, and he was uh, he came to my house uh, to to demo, you know, all of the uh, all the songs. You know, what typically what I do is I write the melodies of the lyrics, and I give him those melodies, and he kind of puts the words to them. So we were able to demo that one, um, as well as a couple of other ones at my house, and um, and that one's pretty much how Donnie wrote it. And he oh, wow. was able to come in and, and sing it, you know, based on the demo. It's, so pretty much kept it the same. Yeah, kept that one the same as Donnie's uh, original. So yeah, he wrote the lyrics. I think on the that only one. one we didn't do the same was "Burn," wasn't it? We, did, we completely rewrote the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. But "Burn Me," um, what's some other ones? Pretty much "Voodoo." Voodoo was Voodoo's Donnie's. Yeah. Definitely Donnie. Um, End of everything. Uh, and it's, end of everything and um, blind. 
blind. Yeah, we didn't really change anything. And there's a and there's a line on end of everything that that Donnie wrote that became very unfortunately apropos. Um, you know, because like Chris was saying, we were not able to get into the hospital to say goodbye. And the line in end of everything, it goes. Um, uh, Dead. Uh, uh, what? Um, infected, infected, locked away infected, from locked lovers, away. friends, and family, all alone to die. Oh wow! And he wrote that. Wow. Yeah. When yeah. did when did, did he write it during what was going on with the pandemic? Yeah. The lyrics yeah. to that, or sure, that twenty twenty? Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. So, when was the album actually completed? And did Massacre shelve it for a little bit to wait to release it, or did it get released as soon as you got Brian in and everything was done? Um, well, after we were completely finished with it, you know, we had a couple of issues with them pushing the release date back a couple months here and there. Yeah, you know, that was pretty standard. It yeah, and like. I think it, I think it was just because of the pandemic. It was yeah. it was because of the pandemic and the and the pressing plans for vinyl. Yeah, you know? everything was so far behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were just, especially vinyl. Yeah, so they they wanted to make sure they put. It in. They wanted to make sure when the CD came out, the vinyl was available too at the same time. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we sat around waiting. It's like, what the fuck? They, they were all like rushing us too, like you need to hurry up and finish this recording. And like, and then the motherfuckers were like taking forever. It's like yeah, typical. Yeah, but everybody was kind of doing that. Yeah. You know, because everything was just so you know out of control with scheduling and. But we could have made it even better if we weren't so rushed. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't know. You know, but yeah. So, what do you do when you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs? Do you do you go tour? Do you say, you know what, we got time? Should we write some more songs? Or what did you do once? I guess between when we awakening, were just pushing on doors. Like I was like when I got them on the, in the band, I was like calling you know people that I've cultivated relationships with over the years when I was with Vicious Rumors because. VR was a pretty active touring band. Yeah. So I've been back and forth to Europe a lot, cultivating relationships. And so I pulled out a lot of the bro cars. Hey, dude, hook, us up, hook me up, man. Hook me up. You know, and that's how we got on the Alcatraz Festival and and stuff. And then that's how we got on this. And, you know, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's awesome that that kind of thing still works, too. The, you know, was who you know, not what you know, you know. Yeah. Is and, and and it's nice because with these guys are like so accommodating. A lot of uh, bands out there are like, you know, you're on your own, motherfucker. You know, they they don't they don't communicate with you. They don't, don't have anything to do with you. Uh, Queensryche's not like that at all. They're like, dude, come use our shower. Oh, nice. You know, or the other day yeah. we were uh, Eddie or Bender, they're sound tech guy are like messaging us hey come meet us over in Lafayette Louisiana we're having a barbecue and shit and, and so we go over there and we park next to him and just BSing and then Eddie's like hey I got you guys a room and he got us a day room so we could take showers and stuff oh, awesome man. I mean stuff that no one would do that right right you know but these really guys amazing. I've you know yeah. I've toured with them before in my other band and they're just Todd and I have known each other for a long time, and they're just they're family. Yeah, and that's awesome. And they just and they seriously care, like they really care. 
hey, is everything good? You need anything? Their tour manager is practically like our tour manager. We oh. don't have a team. But Andrew's always taking care of us. Oh, that's, that's always. Awesome. That is awesome. And they don't have to. This sounds like the ideal tour for you guys, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's what we're doing now, yeah, absolutely. You know, we couldn't have, we couldn't have gotten in a, gotten in a better spot. Yeah. You know, with being able to do it with a band like these guys. Bands should know. take take notice and, and and learn from people like Queensrÿche because, you know, we're all in this together. Yeah. You know, and it, it, I don't see the harm in it. Instead of acting like you're a Mr. Too Cool to hang out with you, it's like, fuck you. Right, right. You know? You know, you put your fucking pants on the same way I do, bitch. Oh, you know? <laughs> I agree. I agree. I hate, I hate jackasses like that, man. Yeah. And you, you, maybe they remember, you know? I mean, you guys have been doing it a long time, but they probably remember, you know? There, some, there were times where things weren't so great for us, and let's well, take care yeah, of people. Yeah, like, of Eddie was telling us the other day about a Bon Jovi story. Yeah. And they are on tour with Bon Jovi, and, and, and I guess Jeff was really sick. And, uh, and, and John goes, hey, come here, come here. And you know how some of the bigger ba- the, the bands usually have these big giant tour cases, and they open them up, it's like a big giant closet. And it's yeah. Like this. And I guess John opens it up, and it's like a, a freaking pharmacy. You know, it had like <laughs> NyQuil, Sudafed, you name it, all these medications, oh, wow. trying to help Jeff out. You well, know, that was nice, he, yeah. You know, and so Eddie was telling the story, and I was like, God, that's so fucking cool. You know, that, that Bon Jovi was trying to help them out. Yeah. Right. You know, not acting like, oh, look at me, I'm Mr. Rockstar. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's so, you know, that's probably why shit like that rubs off on them, you know, is having experiences like that. Well, that's awesome. They, they did, especially back in the heyday of all those guys, where everybody was really cocky and everybody oh, was yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so definitely. No, that's great. So, are there? Do you have talks of doing something after this? I know festival season in Europe. I don't know. That's something you guys are looking at, or kind of what's next? The game on that, unless you know somebody drops yeah. out. And we yeah, certain yeah, person dropped the ball on that one. We shall go nameless. Yeah. Not with us. Yeah, somebody outside of us. But yeah. we're we're working. I'm pushing on some doors with some people I know. And like, uh, there's a band called Heretic Order. They're on the same label as we are. Okay. And the singer Danny, I've been mean, talking to him. He's trying to come up with something, doing some UK dates. But yeah, if we don't get anything going, I'm sure between Steve and Chris, they, they really want to write a new record. So yeah, <clears throat> there's a chance that we we might be able to do something in the fall. Oh, nice. You know, we just got to see. We got to get through this first. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm dying to see you guys tonight. I know you're going to kill it on stage. Uh, just, I guess, one last question before we go. Uh, have y'all started writing anything yet for the next record? Or I had a feeling, Steve, just talking to you, you're always writing something. I'm up always here. <laughs> writing. I'm always creating. I've got a few, you know, leftovers that didn't, you know, that I never finished for this record. And yeah, I'm, I'm always writing. And uh, look forward to you know getting some some stuff going on, you know after we uh, get back from this tour. Depending on what we do, if we don't have anything in the fu- in the near future, I may just start sending tracks. You know, I, I would like to see this record have you know a, a year or more yeah. of legs, give this thing more time to develop. But that doesn't mean we have to stop writing. You know, we can be in a position to go right back in and get some stuff you know going quickly. Just keep going because we're getting old. 
<laughs> and there's, there's ideas like with you know the way uh, streaming works. Uh, there's there's ideas to put out just like a three song EP, just or put out one song at a time. Just, yeah, you know, there's a lot of bands doing that now. So yeah. it's a little it's hard because we because we live in. I don't like that. I'm old school too. I, I like the album, but that's what I grew up in. But so do I. These newer bands. Some of them are just putting out a song. I know Skid Row, an older band, they put out like 12 songs and finally put out the record. But there's bands like Falling in Reverse and these newer bands will throw one song out. And then three months later you get another song. And then three months later you get another song. But it's the newer metal or whatever you want to call that genre. Uh, And one of the things I've always wanted to do is, is write a concept album. And so I might consider, you know, doing that this time around if everybody's in agreement. And they like the material, they like the concept. Do not go. No, uh, we've got a really brutal concept. Well, you know, Rochelle, she's got an extremely brutal His wife concept. Wife has issues. <laughs> well, she wrote. So she wrote the lyrics for "Death of the Angel." Yeah. They're written first person, Ted Bundy. Oh shit! Wow. Yeah, yeah she gave me nightmares. <laughs> You're like, what am I no, saying? No, she did. Oh, Give really? me nightmares. Yeah, because she's so obsessed with this shit. We, I, uh, we were watching the I was staying with Steve when we were recording because I live in Oregon. So they flew me down. I'm hanging out with them. And all Rochelle talks about is all the serial killers. I was like, I'm thinking she's fucking me. But no, she's really seriously in love with these fuckers. I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at Steve. I was like, dude, what's wrong with her? You know, she's twisted. And then twisted. I went to bed and I... <laughs> Dreamt about Gary Ridgeway. Gary fuck shit or whatever his name is. The Green River Killer. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like my best friend and he was like talking to me about kids and then I'm like, You're Gary fucking Ridgeway. And it was weird. Like I was I was gonna shoot him. It was weird ass and then and then so I wake up, I'm telling Steve Rochelle that I'm all I had this fucked up dream about Gary. And we go into Wands, walking through the oh, door. Oh yeah, right. In the studio, he's then, got serial killers he's, on the he's TV. Got serial, oh shit! Watching the serial killer documentary on the motherfucker. Yeah. That I dreamt about. Yeah, it was yeah. Gary Ridgeway right I'm there. I'm like, oh my, I'm fucked. Like Brian, we're trying to motivate you to sing more angry. Yeah, like, you guys, uh, fuck up, man. <laughs> Well, I I have one more question. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something Brian just brought up. So, when you guys do record the next record. Do you try to all get together, or do you keep with the sending files and doing it the way you had to do through COVID? Well, I'd like to answer that because you know, um, Chris and I were talking um, about the how we're going to record the next record. It's going to be really hard because we all live in. I mean, I live in Mexico, and he lives in Oregon, and you're in Tahoe, and um, it's kind of hard. Michael Wilton is here now. <laughs> Say hi, Whip Michael. is in the house. Hey, everybody! It's going to be a killer show tonight. but what chris was talking about is not doing it so mechanical i mean i don't know if we can get away with it doing it you know you recording drums and me coming back in but we want to do it with a more natural feel this time Mm -hmm. we don't want to use beat detective on every single track we we don't want to quantize the whole thing we really want it to sound old school and natural so I think that's a little bit of a challenge as we live so far apart from each other. But yeah. that's the idea. I think yeah. it's a great idea. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. I think being that that would be a lot more. Well, actually, I will say with you sharing files on this, it doesn't sound like it. There were some bands that were putting out records during the pandemic. It's like there's something missing. It doesn't seem like it's very cohesive. It just seems like it's pieced together. But you guys pulled it off for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that would be pretty awesome if y'all could get all that together. Yeah, that would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. 
we'll see how it materializes. You know, got to experiment a little bit. A little yeah, bit. for yeah. sure. You know, and that'll be kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. You know, definitely. Well, Chris, before we let you go, and Steve, we're going to ask you to. What what would you like? To, uh, first off, I want to thank you for coming on the Ragman Show. You guys are the first live guest I've had. I had a previous show called the Genghis the Ragman Show, which I'm still part of, but Genghis is on hiatus, so I'm doing my own thing. So you guys are the first live guest I've had, awesome. and first live interview I've had in quite some time due to COVID oh, and all that. Right. So no, not well. I'll tell her. I lie to people and tell them we're live. Oh, <laughs> no. but uh, before we let you go, Chris, is yeah. there anything you want to tell the fans out there? Oh, just uh, everybody, you know, thanks for thanks for supporting the band. Buy the damn record. Yeah, we couldn't do it without you. Buy, <laughs> you know, buy, buy the album, buy the merch, you know. And, uh, you know, we'll keep doing this as long as, you know, people are liking what we're doing, you know. Uh, we just want to have fun with it, you know. And uh, hopefully anybody out there that's listening to this, I hope we come to your town and play for you and... See for yourself. Brian? What's that? Sure, sir. What do you, what do you want to tell the fans out there? Anything? By the record. Okay, you're Fuckers. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just keep it true. That's all I got to say. There you go. Keep it true. Keep right, it metal, Steve. yeah. Keep it metal. And, uh, yeah, the, 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 you know, buy the record, buy the merch, but also spin it. You know, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't take anything to spin us on Spotify. Share it. Share our YouTube videos. You know, the more we can get out there like that, you know, the better we're going to do and the more likely we're going to do another record. You right. know? Exactly. Um, it just, it, I still it buy isn't, records. It isn't too. free. I mean, I'm able, a CD right. guy, but I, I do have some vinyl. I bought their new record. I could have got it for free. I bought it. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the Ragman Show. I appreciate it. Great show tonight. I can't wait to see you guys. Uh, I'll be up front rocking with you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.